like we've we personally have benefited greatly from you know your ministry like as well as the I'm manual, glad I started recording right now. Well, right, but saying like, <laughs> all right, you knew that was common. Right, uh, that's yeah, why. it's safe for posterity's sake. Not a, not every twenty-eight year old should be ordained. Yeah, but some can be. Like, and and I think that's the maybe that's what right. Greg's alluding to is what just give it some time. And yeah. those those Get younger seasoned. men should just keep that in mind. Yeah, it's like I. Didn't, I don't have the battle scars that some of the older guys do. Yeah. Like the right. older elders and yes. defer to their judgment, that's all. Yes, yeah. I, have, I have two very good older men who are elders in the church mm-hmm. serving with me. and yeah. I'm very, very grateful for them. But we, the gift that God gave you for pulling stuff out of Scripture and feeding the mm-hmm. sheep is something that I don't think necessarily you have to put in the closet until you're 60 right oh yeah yeah. like it's a blessing i think your church testifies to that Mm -hmm. right well what i'm saying suggesting is if i know if i knew now what i know today back then i wouldn't have pursued ordination Uh, just something as simple as nobody's ordained for office until they're 30 years old in the bible Hmm. and what how old were you it was in my early 20s okay when i was ordained just things like that. Gotcha. You know, like, oh, there's a biblical pattern and principle set out for ordination and even for office holding. And even when the idea of elders comes along in, in the Bible, elders literally means the aged. Mm-hmm. And an elder in the Bible is somebody who's 50 years or older. Mm. And we're getting elders in the church who are 22. Right. Mm-hmm. right? There's something wrong about that. Yeah. And I'm not say, suggesting that's necessarily sinful. Like, you guys all need to repent and step down from being an elder. <clears throat> it's like, God, of course, can draw straight with a crooked stick. I mean, here I am, 35, pastoring a church. I've been a pastor for 10, 11 years. Right. right so, but, um, Greg, you mentioned, you know, getting scars and things. Well, you know my story. It hasn't been fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed the CREC now that I'm in it, but getting into the CREC, that was really hard. Some rocky roads. That really sucked. Yeah. <laughs> when you're yeah. pastoring a church, you're the pastor of the church, and your wife and children have to go to another congregation on Sunday morning. Right? That, that's how bad things got. Yeah. Hmm. And that's, that's just not fun, which I think God used that to talk to to form in me what you're talking about like you need to keep in mind um, that the pastor is just like everyone else in that regard you're broken there's things that are wrong you don't know everything there's people who've done it before you mm-hmm. and you need to give them credence and and space but yeah and in your story you you're kind of indicating that you went through your cave of adulam well I'm sure there's more to come Yeah, that, I remember, well, anyway, it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. But I, I do really like where I am now. Mm-hmm. The grass really is greener. On this side of the fence? It really is. I mean, it's a world of difference when you're a pastor 
and this is, is going to sound funny, but when you're a pastor of a church and you, your people support you hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that's kind of like what we were talking about in the last episode about, I'm not saying the congregation is my wife, but mm-hmm. yeah. uh, when your wife is supportive of your vocation, yeah. that makes a world of difference. It doesn't yeah. matter how hard the day is. Mm-hmm. If your wife encourages you and supports you in your job, mm-hmm. like you're going to do it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And when the when the church at large, the elders, the, the elders and deacons in the congregation, support you as their pastor, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. So. Well, it, it says that in Hebrews, right? Like, submit to your elders. Mm. I forget the wording, but basically, it, it'll make their lives so much easier. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the, the the message from the Greg. Yeah. From the Greg. Literally, translated, it'll make their lives it so makes, much easier. Yeah. Yeah, so it is easy. It is greener over here, and I do really appreciate it. And part of the benefit, I think, uh, that you can see in becoming a pastor early, is the experience you'll have under your, well, so to speak, under your collar, when you, now when you're, in your later thirties, forty, fifty, you'll have gone through <clears throat> many counseling situations. And you'll have gone through lots of deaths in the church. Are you doing your segue? What? Is this a, huh? In our (laughs) open line. Here we go. Open some more s'mores. Segway. What do you mean? Well, actually, it was in the previous church that I was a part of, in the Reformed Church in America, the RCA. I I dealt with death more. Oh, really? Because the older congregation? It was an older congregation. We've only had two... In seven years, we've only had two deaths in the church, Pastor Venema and Tabitha. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I should take that back. That's that's not true. We've had death of unborn children. Mm-hmm. Right. That we've we've dealt with. Yeah. So. And that's that just brings up the point of dealing with death. I mean, Pastor Venema, he had a saying, and I forget what it is, but old people are are going to die. And young people have to die, and I'm butchering that. But you expect it with older people, and with younger people, it's. Can I? It seems, yeah. It seems mix wrong. It coffee foam. Ooh, there you go. Young people, it seems wrong. So what seems wrong? Who's Pastor Venema? <clears throat> oh, back up. Uh, he was old. He's even taller and bigger than Greg, a Dutchman. He wasn't taller than me. <laughs> I carried his coffin. That was a big man. I didn't carry it alone. Okay. I'm not that big, guys. But I'm sorry. Yeah. So this cup. was. This, but who, so he yeah, was a you member of the church. He well, was. Go ahead. Who's Pastor Venema? Tell her. Oh boy, how far back do I go? Yeah, I know, right? Or good, s- good man. A good, solid good Dutchman. Dutchman. Yep. A, a long. I wish I had more time with him. He was a. Dutch minister, he, I think he was ordained in the early 40s. Yep. I want to say oh, he wow. was ordained when my parents, around the time my parents were born. And he was a Dutch pastor since then. And he, <laughs> should I tell the whole story? He's a great um, man. I, yeah. It is. Right. Because, That's why I mean, I was here for like two months before he died. I wish I had more time with him. Before the members of our church were in his church when theological controversy broke out. And Federal vision. Yeah. And so 
<laughs> he and the elders at that church condemned the current members of our church. Right. And then they parted ways am pretty amicably on the side of the members of our church. And then some years later, Pastor Venema moved back here with his wife. To Helena. To Helena, to the members that... Who were removed from the church. Who were removed from the church. And Being from, <clears throat> the DeVries. Or was no, it? no, no, this was before okay. the original, uh, whatever. Yeah, that's okay. Continue. The original crew. And as far as I heard, he asked forgiveness and relationships were all healed. And he knew his time was drawing near. And he wanted a place for his wife and her daughter to be. So he moved back here and we, they became members of the church. And then he ended up passing away while here. Yeah, that was, I think, the first month I was here as pastor with Pastor Venema. I mean, you talk about men who you revere. He is one of them. Mm. I remember when he, and going to the hospital and visiting him. And that was pretty intense first month or two. Mm. But I remember going through his, um, his personal effects with his wife. And he's got letters from like, handwritten letters from Van Til. <laughs> you know, like oh. Just all of these guys who are in our radar in the reform world that are like top notch. Hmm. And he's got handwritten correspondence. Like yeah. He's kind of in the shadows of all of these big name guys hmm. in the reformed OPC, URC world. And Pastor Venema is tied up in all of it. Huh. And it was really neat to see. I didn't read them. They're not mine. You know, like that's a private affair. Yeah, Norm Shepard. Did he have any letters from... Oh, I don't know. I didn't... Like I said, I just noticed, <laughs> and I helped box them up. They're not mine. I wasn't going to pry. No. I gave them to his so wife. So you saw some from Norm? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if he had correspondence with Norm Shepard. Hmm. And his son is the president of Mid-America Reform Seminary. Mm -hmm. Yep. Who is a staunch opponent. Mm-hmm. To federal vision and pedo communion. Yep. So Venema was the pastor at Emmanuel Church. He was a pastor at Elkhorn Presbyterian. Okay. Yeah. Which was named became, after the Elkhorn Mountains. Which became Emmanuel. No. 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 It's people that left there. <clears throat> okay. So okay, I'm I'm just I'm just getting the history here. Okay. Gotcha. Oh yeah. There was Elkhorn Presbyterian, where the core families from Emmanuel were attending. Then the Federal Vision fiasco broke out, and the core group left, or were forced out over that, mm. and met privately for a little while, and then started Emmanuel Ch Chapel. Okay. Which and then Pastor Venom moved back and joined back. that group. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I'm tracking. Okay. And then there were a couple of pastors before me, and then when I came, that's when he died. Okay. But he... He was a, a wealth of history in the church, wealth of information. Yep. Yeah, I, I regret not having enough time with him. And that's a good point. That's that's something I think we're, we're missing is the passing on of that. Yeah, the value have, of what he carried. Yep, that's gone now. I know. Yeah, it was a bummer. Bummer for me. I'm being selfish. <laughs> I wanted him. I could have learned. I feel like I could have learned a lot from his ministry and time in the church but and it's 
gone because his 80 some years were up and he got promoted yeah he died i did his funeral i i preached his funeral yeah which was very intimidating yeah I'll to bet. preach a funeral for a guy like that yeah as a young what was i 29 28 with his uh, with his son there seminary president's son who doesn't like me <laughs> <laughs> he never said that no i know he was very respectful yep nice guy he was yes Corn- cornelis Cornelis P. Venema. Yeah. Very, <clears throat> another good man. He was very respectful. Yeah. Honored me. As I was pastor of the church where his dad, who's an ordained minister for like 45 years, I was his pastor for two months and he, he said, you do the service. Huh. It's like, but you're a son. You're an ordained minister too. You know, like. Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I was, I'm stepping down. I want you to do it. You know. He had to have been ordained over 60 years. Oh, Pastor Benema. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Whew. And this young idiot had to do the funeral, but but it, it it doesn't matter who died. The message is the same. Yeah. Right. Because funeral's not for the dead; it's for the living. Yeah. So. But anyway, yeah. we're we're talking about death, right? Yeah. And this episode of the Stories for Glory podcast, yeah. we're talking about death and dying. This is gonna be a chipper episode. I well, I've got your text right here. So I'm going to keep you on track. Good. That was a good text. Well, what did I say? Hold on. I got to get to it. Uh, Oh, I said I didn't have time to watch that other movie. (laughs) What do you guys want to talk about? And you said, let's talk about the ubiquity of death. And? And mankind largely ignores it as it pertains to themselves individually. And this text was mostly speaking from my own experience, speaking out of my own head. Yeah, because you're being faced with it. Yeah. My dad is told by the doctors, well, there's nothing more we can do. You can go home and die in peace at home because of his weakening heart. Which, can I say, is just good news right there. Yeah. Yeah, you can say that. Like, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Death sucks. But the good news from a doctor is go home and die in peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, amen. Yeah. He's not going to be isolated in a hospital room. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be plugged into machines. Mm -hmm. He's going to die a man. And he's going to die a Christian man with his family. Yep. That's how how hard and sad death is. That's good. Yeah. Right? And I wish that for all of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. You're going to no. make me cry about your dad. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for Sunday, by the way. In what? Your, I didn't your, preach. In your prayer. Oh. I, thought, I I read in that you were empathetic, but maybe I was reading too much. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 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 No, but there's... It's hard to lose a dad. Yeah. There's so much. But, but what I keep going back to is... is I don't think we dwell on death, physical death. Not we don't. We put it out of our mind. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks by default, oh, I'm going to live till I'm 80, or we don't even think about our own death. Yeah. And I think I I contemplated. I wonder if that's because the idea of immortality 
if you want to call it that. The idea that we're going to exist forever is built in, mm. and we don't really grasp our physical passage from this life into the into eternity, into everlasting life, if you mm. want to call it that. My wife always thought we were together in high school. We knew each other in public school kids. We knew each other in elementary and we were together in high school and that in high school I told her I'm going to marry her called it (laughs) but I also told her as well like I don't I don't think I'm going to live past 30 it was just always in my head that I was going to die before 30 years old so it's not true that not all of us don't think about it and she always like you're morbid What what are you talking about why would you think that I don't know (laughs) <laughs> I huh. really don't know. That's well, interesting. at least uh, historically, historically, that sounds really long. I'm just talking about it like a generation or two. The men in my family don't live into their 50s. They get, huh. they reach around 52, and we all die. Hmm. And most of it's like cirrhosis of the liver, suicide, lung cancer. I mean, hmm. it's a long, slow suicide of drinking and cigarettes, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, none of my biological father, grandfather, great-grandfather have lived past 60. They've all died before then. It's just, mm. I don't know, just early death has always been part of at least the the male side of our family. So I was just like, yeah, well, I probably huh. won't live till I'm 30. I'm just going to die of something. But huh. Do you think you're... My dad's anniversary, the death of his anniversary is this week, too. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think your dad has thought about it, just doesn't communicate it? Well... As you get older? And it'll be interesting to talk to him when I go back. Yeah, you're going this week, right? Yeah. Especially because, I don't know, again, I'm I'm interpreting everything through my own head. Mm. You know, I wouldn't think about it until... The doctor tells me, okay, you have a few weeks. You're right. You know, then everything crystallizes. You realize this life is so short, you know. And something else that at least I thought about and I talked with my wife about is all the rest of our Christian life is, uh, I want to say, practical. And I'll probably freestyling here. I'll probably say things that are like, what? No, what? <clears throat> that are theologically incorrect. But <laughs> every everything, we we live our life uh, practically, concretely, you know, forgiveness of sins, um, our salvation, the way we work it out in our lives, day to day, you see the effects. <clears throat> you work it out concretely. But with death, you have no practice for that. Yeah. That's a one-time thing. And, yes, Christ came back. We have that in Scripture. But individually, I think that's total faith when you're facing death. Because I, yes, Christ came back. And I'm trying, (laughs) I'm hedging my theological inaccuracy. But I don't know anybody that came back to say, "It's, it's true. You know, it really works, blah, blah. 
So no, really, to be absent from yeah. the body is to be present with the yeah. Lord. I, yes, <laughs> no, it's the real. Yeah. So we speak. Didn't Jesus tell a story about this? We speak in theological. I'm going to say theory about it, and we put our faith in those theological formulas. Mm -hmm. But when the doctor tells you you have two weeks, then you proceed in faith because... What do you mean by faith there? It's hard to put into thought, but this is uh, uh, dealing with your own death is uh, a part of your Christian life that you've never done before. You've um, died for your wife. You've dealt with your kids. You've everything else in your Christian life you've worked out during your life but when you're ready to die it's like uh, uh, the physical death I've never done that before this mm. is a and it's a huge you step. do it every night right in those little things and you see deaths all throughout I mean death is separation where I think too many speaking again for myself too many of us think death means cessation of living right where deaths throughout our life are separation every night yes we all die and are separated from those around us until our consciousness is restored in the morning yeah yeah what was the new testament called death yeah sleep every every time you go to bed yeah you're experiencing death and all through our lives we die when we leave our parents home and start our own homes that's a death right it's from a separation. our family or which when takes a, trust when, well faith yes right. but you even even that is concrete because you move from this day to the next day in this life concretely it's like oh no oh, okay but the physical death that we're going through is like i've None of us have experienced it before in that in that way. And I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Appar- <laughs> apparently not. And well, so, so... I have lots okay. to say. <laughs> Do you think there's... And I'm not trying to minimize or downplay what you're going through with the death of your... Or with the... The mm-hmm. diagnosis of your father, mm-hmm. but he's been given a a timeline mm-hmm. from the doctors, yeah. you know. And then there's other, like I think about my father-in-law, who was hanging a door one day and he just died. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah. He wasn't thinking about death. Mm-hmm. Like he just. My granddad he, just fell down right. the sidewalk from a brain aneurysm. Mm-hmm. Right. So like how we think about death. The, because we're all terminal in the sense that yes. we're all dying. Yep. Like, and maybe the diagnosis, when that's provided, it becomes more concrete. Yes. Like, oh, crap. And until someone someone says outside of the reality, someone speaks into that and says, no, you, you have like six months left. Yeah. You're, you're going to die. Yeah. Like, but Pastor Jonah could say that to me right now. Like, Caleb, you're, you're going to die. Like, yeah. you're. You're dying. Like, yeah. so 
just thinking about it from those different perspectives too of like the faith element that like what does that look like because I, I think about the you know with my father-in-law it was it was like a glorious death because it's like he was doing what he was he just always he woke up that morning went to hang a door and died and just like well wow like he wasn't processing he wasn't given a diagnosis like mm-hmm. you have six months to live like mm-hmm. and so i think how we maybe interpret it too is a little bit he, he, I, I don't know I, sorry i'm probably speaking outside of because i haven't experienced tons of death in my life so i'm not trying to downplay what you're walking through greg like with your dad but what is like faith looks like every morning waking up knowing i could die today like i should drive to the office which means right i could die yeah right and i don't i don't i don't live in that i don't think about that i don't think about dying on the way to the office right yeah because i just i do it every day of the week like i just that's just my rhythm and that's what that's what i'm that's because i don't either yeah. We all talk this way, like, yeah, yeah. we're dead men walking. We're all going to die. Right. <laughs> right. But we don't, I I don't really acknowledge it as if a doctor were telling me, you got two weeks. Right. Two, like three crystal- weeks. That puts it in a different light. Right. The crystal ball says, oh, on your way to Butte in three months. Yeah. You're going to take a, one of those hard right turns and. Yeah go into the boulder river and you're dead yeah 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 is this where like we were talking about in our last episode or maybe we were talking about between episodes or before the episode i don't remember we were talking about it but allowing the bible to define reality hmm. what does it mean to die to be present with the lord you just mentioned greg that death for a lot of people means cessation mm-hmm. of life but death for a Christian means life. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we're reading our Bibles rightly, the the course of human history has changed in such a way that 4,000 years, so from Genesis 3 to the resurrection of Christ, for 4,000 years, death was dominant. But history changed when a man was raised from the dead to rule on the throne of heaven and earth. Life is dominant. Mm-hmm. So your dad, he's the doctor says you got a couple months to live. <laughs> no, I don't. I've got forever. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is the passing away of this perishable flesh? Well, being clothed in immortality, mm-hmm. right? So having, I'm not trying to take away the the seriousness and the devastation of the separation of a relationship. There's not a, legitimately, I think I can say there's not a day that goes by I don't think about my dad. Mm-hmm. He's dead. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And the thing about my dad particularly is he didn't die a Christian. Mm-hmm. Forever separated from me, as long as the Lord preserves me. Mm-hmm. Hey, but you're you're going to fly back on Thursday, right? Drive. Drive back? Yeah. But what is the what is the year fifty three? Yep. By by reason and strength of man, you could live to eighty. Mm-hmm. See you soon, pops. You right. know, like uh, death. Death is devastating in a certain respect, 
but also, well, death is just a moment, or it, it's just, it's a min, and again, I'm not trying to downplay it too significantly, but death is a minimal experience. Mm-hmm. You know, to be absent right. from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Well, guess who else is with the Lord? The next, it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and on top of that, you're gonna get your body back again. Your your dad is gonna be your dad forever, mm-hmm. in his flesh. Yep. So what is this m- this momentary weight of glory? Paul talks about in Second Corinthians. It's just momentary. Right. You know, and so. I don't know. Sometimes I think that when Christians talk about death, we give it too much weight and credence. Yeah. And yes, we ought to value life. Absolutely, we value life. But where is life? Your dad's life is hidden in Christ with God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's where the Bible says his life is. Colossians chapter 3. Yep. Your life is hidden in Christ with God. That's where your life is, Dad. You know, so yeah. this separ- this pain and separation and fear, I'm not saying you're fearful, but death is a fearful thing. What does it all mean? It's just a moment. It's minimal. Mm-hmm. You know, because life is dominant now. Mm-hmm. Because Christ is raised from the dead and you're with him. You're baptized in him. Mm-hmm. You belong to him. He mm-hmm. has the keys of death and Hades. You know, the, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. <laughs> All these things where death is just a ninny. Death is damned. Mm-hmm. It's, death is damned to die. Mm-hmm. And your dad is indwelt with the spirit of life, mm-hmm. the Lord and giver of life. And when we talk about death, it's like sometimes it seems so crushing when it ought not to be. You're the... It's like we were talking about in the last episode. Why are Christians so impotent? Why are we so impotent at the grave? Mm-hmm. I don't... And again, maybe it's because I'm 35 and idealistic. And I haven't had a lot of people die around me. But why, why, are, why are we so devastated by it? Because we act like we're not going to see him again. Yes, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Oh, okay. So we're on the same page. No, yes. I'm not rebuking you. No. Because I don't want to rebuke you. No, I'm not taking it that way. Okay, good. But what what I hear you talking about is what I was talking about with the, yes, that's all true. We read it in Scripture. We believe it. But we're not acting like it. Is that what you're saying? We're not acting like it, but Living the Christian life practically, the we expe- do every day. The experience of it, or but we only physically die once, right? And we don't have experience with that. We, and and I think because of the success of the church, because of the prevalence of life after Christ, more uh, mortality rates around us diminish. Yeah, we're, there was a phrase I heard recently that Christians. It, or at least in the Western world today, mm-hmm. uh, civilization is separated from mortality. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about. It's just not a present reality yes. for people. Oh. And I'm thinking like like uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, before he became who we know him to be today, uh-huh. uh, with all of his music in the church, 
he made a living by writing funeral music. Mm-hmm. He supported himself by writing music for funerals. That's how many there were. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Could you could you drum up a salary right now based on funerals in your life? Yeah. Like no, we we can't because we're separated from mortality. Yeah. And that's a mark of the progress of the church. Yeah. Right. And and you're suggesting that Christians have allowed themselves to slip from the reality of a world that death is ever present? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking for myself. Yeah. You don't you assume you're going to live to 80, 90, maybe 100. That's the yeah, automatic man. assumption. I'm going to put my brain in a vat yeah. and get a new body in 30 years. Thanks, Elon. <laughs> but similar to we don't, we've discounted the enchantment of the world, the evil spirits, because of the progress of the church. We don't have to deal with it. Right. Similar with death. Mm-hmm. We really, generally speaking, don't have to deal with it. So we don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with it. I believe everything that you said. Well, you do know how to deal with it. Yeah, but I'm not practiced in dealing with it. You know, you've previous. Got all, you've got all the football. Uh, yeah. you got all the football uniform on, and then you're, yep. you're, you're getting stuck on the field right now. Yeah. <laughs> you got your helmet, <laughs> your shoulder pads, you got your crotch guard. <laughs> you got the jersey. You're put on the field. Right, yep. and this is your first game, so to speak. Been it's not your first death. I mean, and regarding, we just talked about a couple, yeah. but regarding death, I've been playing Christian Death on the PlayStation all this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, oh, I died. I Restart. Restart. Give yourself that. Well, losing because, the daughter-in-law is pretty significant. Yeah, yep. But in the past, you know, you'd lose wives, like you're saying with Bach. Death was so prevalent. Yeah. Wives, children. You, you have 12 born. kids and four make it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Where I think the gift of that is the fact that it's death happens. in front of you all yeah. the time. Yeah. And, and anyhow, so that, that struck me is Christians aren't, generally speaking, Christians in the West aren't very practiced in yeah. dealing with death. When you're talking about this, I'm thinking about it and also in context of our podcast. Where, but death, in every, I, we could go back through all our catalogs of movies. Death is in all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. death is in every story told. Yep. yep. And yet we Christians live our lives as though it's not a reality, or yes. we don't know what to do with it when it shows up. But in every every movie you go to, the movie theater, or you, does anybody die in the new Top Gun? Does Rooster make it? I don't know. I don't know. You'll I mean, have to watch it. There's a flashback of Goose Roost, dying, I he, bet. He, he, Rooster makes it. But Goose died, like everything. There's death all over the place. What yeah, did we just talk about? Uh, ghost the ghost in the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Death all over the place. Yeah. What, what did we talk about before that? Uh, Sergeant York. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like World Deep. War One. death everywhere. <laughs> La Pony Woo, human sacrifice. Right. Uh, dude, Joe versus the volcano. Numb to it. Is it, is it a desensitization? Right, we're numb to the, the reality that we're all gonna die. Yeah, we. Siggy, Siggy was like Siggy got got it as a adolescent, twelve year old or whatever he was. You talking yeah. about what about Bob? Or are you talking yeah. about Sigmund Freud? No, what about Bob? Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. real philosophy. Yeah. What about Bob? You know, yeah. and I think there's a part like because how the culture because death for someone that doesn't have faith that isn't Christian mm-hmm. is terrifying. Yeah. Siggy was terrified of death. Yeah. 
And so, you know, there's, yeah, how do we, the Christian doesn't have to be terrified of it like the world is because we have hope. Oh, right. It's a toothless dragon. Right. But yeah, there, there is that part, like even the church gets kind of wrapped up in the numbing element of, because as, as maybe foreign as it is to our individual experience, you know, I mean, your, your dad died, your, you've had a daughter, like, which I'm not downplaying those things, but like, it's not like, yeah, enough caveats, right, Greg? We all, yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, historically that's pretty, that's pretty cush. Yep. In, oh yes. In the history of the world. Right. Yep. But yeah, we, my wife and I are just being in the church, you know, for so for so long, however long we've been in the church, just listening to other couples our age and even older than us talk about miscarriages and the children they've lost. And as far as my wife and I know, we've had four healthy babies and we've never lost a child. Mm-hmm. And statistically, like one in three pregnancies, one in four pregnancies, I forget ends in a in a miscarriage the death of the child mm. right and as far as we know we never had that yeah you know so even that is separated from us yeah you know so and and i i'd like and again death death is one of the things that is most devastating about death is the severance of the relationship yeah so what's devastating about the death of a young wife is the loss of the mother for her child. Mm-hmm. That's what's devastating. Or the loss of the wife to the young husband. Mm-hmm. That's what's devastating, right? Mm. We all know she's with Jesus. We all know she's still alive. We all know we're going to see her again, right? What's devastating is the loss of that re- covenantal relationship, mm-hmm. right? So I, I don't want to discount that. But when I die, I want my family to say, oh, it's time. Oh, it's time for this moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it's like we're all getting ready to celebrate my birthday. You know, we're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna have a party and right. cake. When's your and birthday? What's that? When's your birthday? Oh, don't worry about it. But then, like, a doctor says, "Oh, you got six months to live." <clears throat> oh, it's that time already? Okay, all right. And then we prepare. We get ready for it. Mm-hmm. And every you're like, yeah, well, Dad's all right. This is mm-hmm. his time. It's his moment. And if I die earlier or unexpectedly I want my kids to be like oh that happened sooner than we thought mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I don't want them to grieve we, we're supposed to grieve death sucks but we grieve with hope oh that happened sooner than I thought I wish I had my dad still mm-hmm. like there's that uh, realization that death can come at any moment and there's also the realization that you lost something but it's not devastating in the way which ends your life right you know what I mean? So I, I want to, pre- and uh, I remember James Jordan talking about the 66 books of the Bible are given to you so you can die well. Like that, that's, the, that's the purpose of your Christian life. Hmm. Reading the Bible makes you loyal to Jesus in death. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, that, I can't argue with that. Huh. Yeah. God disciplines us as sons in life right now for the purpose of being mature in death. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I don't know of any, because what's, what's the point right now in our Christian life of obeying all the commandments? 
right? What, like, what's, what's the point in keeping the Ten Commandments in your life right now? Or working hard, or loving your wife as Christ loved the church, or disciplining your children faithfully, or what's, what's the purpose in doing all of those righteous deeds uh, on this side of the resurrection? Mm-hmm. We'll train you up to die well, to die like his son, who submitted his life entirely to the Father's will. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus did that, look what the fruit of it was. So Caleb, if you, if, Je- if the Father disciplines you in this life through all of your trials and struggles and you remain loyal to him, which you keep saying, faith, trust, loyalty, and you die loyal to the Father, what will the fruit of your death bear? Well, what did, it, what did Jesus do? <laughs> I'm not saying your death, Caleb, will bring the salvation of the world. You can't do that. Yeah, what are you saying? Right, yeah, we're on the edge of heresy here. <laughs> I thought I would. No, but as we die as Christians, our death, the, the faith in our death counts like the faith of Jesus. Yeah. It's actually a benefit yeah. to our family that we die as faithful men. Sure. It's uh, good for them. Yeah, we've so. talked about that with the stuff that we've watched as well tying it back into the podcast of just I mean think about like Hidden Life and Mm -hmm. Franz's kids seeing someone that's faithful to the end and how that can produce faith for the next generation is you know just yeah what Greg's talking about too is uh, Fanny experienced death in the death of her husband Mm -hmm. her marriage is dead and she has to live now in the light of the death of her husband. Right. So she experienced death too. And the kids get to see her loyalty to Jesus in it. Yeah. And that bears fruit. Yeah. And I think that's what's most traumatic about physical death is we're not, uh, we're not created to lose the, our extended identity in the community around us. Yeah. Uh, a spouse, so a husband losing a wife is like a person losing an arm. Yeah. And then you live the rest of your life without your arm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's true. What I forget this whole motif, but we are who we are because we're identified by the community around us. Yeah. Identity always comes from outside. Yes. Yeah. So when you lose a father or a mother that's not in the same way as a, a spouse, but it's ripping part of you off. Right. Because you're losing, because we are, ident- we get our identity identity mm-hmm. by the community we're in. Right. Yeah. So you're a, a father because you have children. You're a husband because you have a wife. Your wife gives you the status of husband. Your children yeah. give you the identity as father. Right, your yeah. baptism, the father's love, for you gives you the identity of Christian. Yep. It all comes from outside of you. Everything yeah. does. And you're I'm an IT guy because you're employed, right? right? Yeah. Outside of yeah. uh, your job giving you that identity, you're not an IT guy, right? right? Outside of the church calling me to be a pastor, I'm not a pastor. Right. And in it's this instance, yeah. I'm a son right. because I have a father. And, and when my yes. father physically dies, that part of me you, is ripped. It's ripped. Rendered. That's what I mean by severing an arm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You're losing part of yourself in the death of another. Yeah, and that's that's the pain of death here, mm. and yeah, and what you were talking, 
it is a blessing to see a faith-filled father face death. Yeah. You know, when he and mom were told in the hospital, well, you know, actually, we'll release you to home, and then it could be a few weeks, and that's it. And yeah. they were very, well, I mean, yeah. that was tough news, but my dad told my mom, hey, I'm ready. I know where I'm yeah. going. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's my time now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's my only comfort in life and in death? Yeah, yeah. I love the Heidelberg. Yep. Have we talked about how much I like the Heidelberg? Yeah. yeah. Uh, those Dutch. I mean, I know that outside of scripture, nothing's inspired, but question and answer one of the Heidelberg might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So that was his, I mean, I mean, he's. And I called him on the phone the yesterday, I think. And what he wanted to talk about was he was overcome because of all the prayers that have been answered. God has answered mm. a lot of prayers in his life about family members, you know, and he'd, when the pastor came up to the hospital, my mom said the pastor was a little taken aback because they thought, well, Larry's just going in to get some fluid off. And then dad's like, well, I'd like to discuss my funeral. You know, right. and the pastor's like, what? Your funeral? <laughs> and he said, I don't want a eulogy. I don't want... <laughs> I don't want people saying, oh, he's a great guy. Just preach the gospel. Huh. Because he knows people are going to be there. Yep. And, mm. you know, what, and what a blessing it is to walk slowly through the valley of the shadow of death with your family. Yeah. And say, okay, it's getting nearer. <sighs> yeah. And be able to work through it all and give a Christian testimony. I mean, people are visiting him. He's talking to people. He's anxious for family members to come visit. He's worried about other people in his death. Exactly. Exactly. So when I die, make sure you tell them about the Lord of life. Yeah. Not about me. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and that's that'll bear fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. You got your, your text. You, what do you guys, what else yeah. you got? I do think there is that the unknown element of for those that have the luxury of knowing you know I'm, I've been given this diagnosis like what that looks like experience I, I think that's maybe part of what you're talking about like, was just the the experiential progress towards that moment like because it's it's foreign to all of us it is until it hits you yeah we yeah it's not a mental or a you know some kind of yeah it's not a mental essential it's like you're yeah there is that i remember in kansas city and not not a good experience but like i had a friend older gentleman and like I really, really appreciated him, but like that was his hangup was he was so as a eighty year old, seventy five year old, was just like paralyzed by death mm. to the yeah. point where like he would question his faith and things. Yeah, you know, just because he That's was just like, I don't know, what, I don't know how I'm going to respond to it. I don't know in that moment how I'm going to respond mm-hmm. to the moment I pass from this life to the next. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, I've been uh, 
teaching church history, you know, to the kids uh-huh. at our homeschool co-op. And one of the things I've been asking them is, and all, we're doing early church, so a lot of martyrs and uh, Ignatius, Polycarp, Justin Martyr, these yeah. guys. And and I and there's unnamed martyrs that I talk about. Jesus knows their names, and when we get there, we'll we'll ask. But <laughs> yeah. men, women, children are all dying for the sake of Jesus. And I ask the kids, what's more, what's what's better, to obey God and die, or to disobey God and live? Mm-hmm. And you know, we've got what, 14, I think, kids in the class, and they're like, obey God and die. <laughs> you know, it's like, and right now, training them up that it's better to be faithful and, and perish. And just this last week, well, just two days ago on Monday, we are learning about Justin Martyr. Mm-hmm. And he gets his name, of course, Justin Martyr, because he was martyred. But he became a Christian. He actually memorized the Bible before he was a Christian. So he's like, he's studying Plato, he's studying the Stoics, he's studying Aristotle, he's, and he's on a quest for truth. And he wants to know what's true in the world. And a Christian says, read the Bible. This old Christian man, he comes, and so he does, and he reads the Bible and he memorizes it. Don't like the whole thing? Yes. Wow. And, and he's still not a Christian yet, and he memorized it. <laughs> and crazy. he goes to Rome, in the Roman Empire, he goes to the city of Rome, where the arena is, the Colosseum, and there's Christians being put to death, because it's illegal to be a Christian. Uh-huh. And the thing that converts him, that when he decides that Jesus is Lord and he needs to be baptized, is seeing Christians die without yeah. fear. That's the, that. I think that was one thing I was about to even just as we're talking, like the limited experience I've had with death in my life. For those that knew it was coming, mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to pass on, like my my grandpa, right, mm-hmm. like was one as an example and my grandma both on my mom's side like because the other, other side had dementia and alzheimer's and they're like babies so yeah it's really depressing too. but like is it wasn't like this fearful act it wasn't like this versus like i think i heard about was it christopher hitchens like mm-hmm. his death was just like a terror yeah you know yeah. like so there is there is some truth to it like for those that, you know, God yeah. preserves through death. Like, yeah, I, when my dad... It's not a terror. My dad had uh, lymphoma, stage four. It was aggressive. I remember sitting in his home, in his, he was sitting in his bed, and when you're near death, especially suffering like that, you, you sweat a ton. My dad was just in his underwear, sitting in his bed, just sweating profusely, and... Day by day, you could see tumors growing under his skin. Hmm. It was it was very rapid. And uh, he kept saying, don't worry, son, I'll beat this. Hmm. And in his mind, he's completely afraid of death. Mm-hmm. right? And he's putting up this false, this, this facade of victory over death right now. Yeah. Like, I, don't worry about it. Because even when he was diagnosed, like, six months before, hmm. like, you got stage four. This has progressed rapidly. Treatment's not going to help you. You know, you, you're done. And the thing he told, and I was there with the doctor and him, and he said, don't worry, son, I'll beat it. Hmm. And he's saying this as, a, as an unbeliever. 
mm-hmm. with a, a false assumption that death won't get me. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell my kids <clears throat> when I'm on my deathbed, I've already beaten it. Like, don't be afraid, kids. Yeah. Right? It's already done. It's already beaten. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm dead with Christ and I'm alive with him. Yeah. So my dad was saying it as as a as bravado, as a as mm-hmm. a wall, as a defense against what's coming. Yeah. And I'm saying it's already a defeated enemy. Yeah. You know, so so as death approaches me, kids, or as your dad would probably say too, Greg, don't worry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's already defeated. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's an enemy. I already have victory over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's that difference there. Uh-huh. And Christians need to recognize that. So you're talking about your... Yeah, uh, my, my, I mean, I... I your friend in Kansas City who's deathly afraid of death. Right. 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 And I think his his was more of like the the experiential he was charismatic, so the experiential side of death of how will I persevere t- to the end to the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like right. a question of assurance. Right. Which is the modern American church hasn't been very good about. Right. I remember the last church I was at there's a a grandma who had dementia. And just completely reverted. She's cussing. She's you know, she's just vulgar. Mm-hmm. She, her family comes in. She's yelling at them. She's screaming. The pastor comes. She rejects you know the Lord's Supper. She's just completely bonkers. And the family came to me and's like, she's not a Christian anymore. I'm like, no, 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 no. Her life is hidden in Christ with God. Yeah. So no matter what mental faculty she loses because of the effects of sin. Mm-hmm. Jesus has her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that's our loyalty. That's our trust. That's our faith. That's our hope. Right. No matter the effects of sin on this person, on my, on me, uh, Jesus has me. That's grace. Mm-hmm. Right. That mm-hmm. That's the gospel. Jesus yeah. has you no matter what happens here. And it uh, ha- losing your mind is a, is a terrible and frightening thing. I mean, just talk to any pastor. Like, what, what's the one thing you fear the most? Ah, losing my mind, actually. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd be paralyzing my legs, but if I lose my mind, yeah. that's terribly frightening. But the hope is, <clears throat> the promise is, Jesus has my life. And it's hidden with him in God. Dementia can't touch that. Sure. Cancer can't touch that. The devil can't touch that. Like, who can get closer... Uh, and overcome God. Yeah. Your life is hidden in Christ with God. End of story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, and, and you've been talking about, Greg, we've, Christians have, we have this language, we have this talk, we have this theory, mm-hmm. but boots on the ground, here's death. Right? You, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to encourage you, like, you're not as ill-prepared as you think you are. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm well, glad you agree. <laughs> I'm I glad guess, you agree with your pastor. I guess that's, yeah. I guess that's my point is, yeah. I understand all of the, all of the truths of scripture. But it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's the training for the football game. It's the training to walk that tightrope. But when it comes time to walk the tightrope, then it's like, okay, now I really have to carry this out. 
You it's know, put your, it's you for have real. To put your foot on the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not just well. Read right here. See, right, right, right. It's this right there. Yep. Yep. And it, yeah, and grappling with you know how to deal with it all. Yes, I. And I think his mom died 22 years ago. So which, your grandma. Yeah. And you think it's 22 years that that went by like a flash, and Tell now. Me. Soon he'll be with her. Yeah. Right. You know? He's gonna see his mama. Yeah. And the older you get, the more you realize the time that we're here, even if you live to be eighty, is just a a, a twinkling of the eye. Yeah. Yeah. I think your pastor might have said that in a prayer on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> no, when he was wasn't. being em- empathetic, empathic, Empa- sy- sympathetic. <sighs> Didn't Doug say you're not supposed to be empathetic? <laughs> well, he's not right on everything. <laughs> kidding. Well, if I lost my dad and Greg's about to lose his dad, is that empathy? Sympathy. You got to have your hand on the, on the, on the tree on the bank. I yeah. think is what he said. <laughs> or something. Right. And even the even the lose, you know, and that's the what part. Even the losing part. Yes. It's like because uh, I had a son move away, and. That's another form of death, you know. Anytime a relationship is severed in that way. Are you listening, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> we can find you on Google Maps. We, we You're not that you far out, gone. We called you out by name. <laughs> and that's that's really. Come get your diesel, by the way. All that death is, is now right. my dad's getting ready to go to a place that I can't happen to visit physically. Death is a geographic location. <laughs> A place. I didn't say geographically. No, I no, it is. Well, well, yeah, is heaven real? Sense. It is. Yeah. Okay. It is. But, <laughs> but, and so just like I know that I'm gonna see Alan again, at some point, you know, it's yeah. the same with people who've fallen asleep before us. Yeah. You know. So losing. In the sense that, yeah, well, we'll be parted for a little while, like him and his mom. You know, they'll be parted by 22, 23 years. Right. But. Which could happen in this life easily. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yep. He said uh, on the phone, well, be careful driving on your way here because I want to see you again. And I, I thought in my head, wouldn't that be ironic if, yeah. <laughs> if I beat him to heaven? <laughs> I mean, I know statistically and in, in all probability, I'm going to do your funeral. Because I'm 35, you're 53. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just a re- reality, uh, statistically, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. So all my, all my bluster about death being a ninny, it's like, well, I still hate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I don't want to imagine Emmanuel Church without Greg DeVries. And I Heck think, no. You I think I mean? we hate death because it's built into us that we our, our relationship shouldn't be severed. They shouldn't. Uh-huh. That. Right. Thanks, Adam. And like your dad saying, don't worry, son, I'm going to beat this. I think it's also built into man that he's going to exist forever. He's going to be a victor. Yeah. Or exist forever, you know. Yeah. An unbeliever. Yeah, I wasn't going to go there right now, but yeah. Yeah. A, an unbeliever has that too, 
kind thinking, of thinking, I'm not designed to die like right. this. I'm designed to exist forever. I, whether I'm acknowledging it or not, I'm made in the image of God. Right. And I'm right. going to exist forever. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. But the, the thing with unbelievers there is they reject the one who gives life, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're trying to turn to the God of science or the God of science will help me live forever or whatever it is. Like, but it's, yeah, the innate desire is immortality. Bearing the image of God in man. Like, <laughs> yeah. God is immortal. We're made as him. Yeah, Adam made wasn't his supposed image. to die. Yeah. And if death is separation, um, we're going to, when we physically die, enter into eternal life or everlasting life. You're going to receive the life you already have. Yes, but our existence beyond physical death will be life. Yes. Which will mean life is, there will no, be no more relationships severed and we'll be united with God face to face. And the unbeliever will enter into everlasting death. Everlasting separation from other people, everlasting separation from God in a they won't leave the presence of God, but they'll forever be separated from Him. Yeah, so repent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, episode number 47. I have no idea what episode we are. Lesson is repent. <laughs> and join with the Lord of life. Yeah. And don't fear death. And I think that's, yeah. again, goes back to the point that we live in the prosperity of the church so much that we forget you know we put out of our mind physical death mm-hmm. there was a was it Richard Baxter <clears throat> wrote a book called Dying Thoughts hmm. where like the idea that keeping death as an ever, ever present reality every each and every day is mm-hmm. actually a benefit for the Christian it's not morbid you're not living in morbidity because, you know, like you were saying, Jonah, we've conquered death through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our faith in him. But. <clears throat> See it as a constant reality, like back pain. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's I'm, just there. We're, and we don't, we don't do that because until we get that diagnosis. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like, and so the, you know, modern science has helped in the, you know, the, the diagnosis of saying, oh, you have this amount. Now it's fixed versus just, you know, like historically like saying, no, I could die tonight. tonight. Yeah. I may not wake up tomorrow morning. I could contract and, any disease. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not morbidity. <clears throat> it's not like living in this like morbid state. It's just the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Be prepared. And I, that's one thing I think I've yeah. appreciated, you know, in, I think it's even been in our podcast. I'm ready. Like mm-hmm. you've said that. Like mm-hmm. as a 50 yeah. year old, right. 53 year old. Like I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm 35. I'm okay. Yeah. But it's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount about sparrow. Not a sparrow can fall to the ground apart from the Father's will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that's true about birds, how much more so about us, his his sons, yeah, mm-hmm. his sons and daughters. You know, like what? Uh, it's not that we it's not sinful to grieve death 
but I would say don't worry about it. Right. right. There's a difference between being sad and being worried. Yeah. Or being sad and being anxious. Mm-hmm. Right? Fretting it. Yeah. yeah. Don't fret it. And when it happens, yeah, be sad. It sucks. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, your mom's gone, your dad's gone, your spouse, your child. Yeah, it sucks. Right. Weep, weep, and weep. Yeah. But don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't fret. Yeah. yeah. So do we want to give a, a recommendation on the gospel? Would you give it, Greg, maybe maybe five out of five? The gospel? <laughs> oh, I'd, yeah. Because we haven't really give like a full. That's true. We we haven't heard can, a, a we haven't given a, a full oh, like a top tier recommendation. Yet. That's true. Everything's been like a three out of five for you, <laughs> so you might want to bump this one up. <laughs> How could I not <laughs> not give the this one's for you, Dad? A five out of five. Yeah. Five out of five. What? Uh, empty tombs. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I don't want to speak on your behalf, Greg, but five out of five. Eternities, <laughs> eternities of never and that's something else I mean, we could go for hours but <laughs> that's know, something else going. we don't grasp is after this little blip of time passes when we enter eternal life right you know right just What's after we've been there ten thousand years bright si- bright shining as the sun you're gonna make me cry again yeah it's yeah. I have a hanky on my knee right yeah. now. You guys got me going. But, uh, yeah, there's, again, it's not being exercised with death in this life is a drawback for when death comes and how much better we could handle it. Mm-hmm. Being ready to handle it. Yeah. So, yeah. Caleb, uh, recommend ratings and recommendations uh, for the good news that Jesus uh, died for the forgiveness a, of sins and resurrection from the dead. A plus, 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 plus. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like 11 out of 10 on my end over here. Right, yeah. yeah. Is there, what's before A? And, and yes, uh, it's for your children. Yep, they should definitely be aware of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not morbidly. To, to use Christian wisdom, like you were talking earlier, to live it, being aware yeah. of death, and I mean daily, mm-hmm. but not in a morbid sense. Yeah, so it's not. It's yeah. Kids exactly. are pretty good about that, actually. I remember when when Tabitha died? I remember we had Bible class for the kids. The Sunday after Tabitha died, and all the kids in the church just adored her. She was kind of like the church babysitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of the kids knew her all the kids loved her all the kids adored her I say loved no they they love her see I just slipped into it oh right, right. yeah uh, they love her they adore her uh, my children called her aunt they aunt tab you know mm-hmm. and I remember I, I got down on my knees at the t- because all the kids were sitting at the kid table when the church was half the size that it is now <laughs> and uh, I got down on my knees and I was talking to the kids about aunt Tabitha died and uh, and I'm crying because it was just like two days earlier. And uh, the and one of the kids said, "Why are you crying?" And I said, "Because because Tabitha died." Mm-hmm. And I, but she's with Jesus. Mm. Right. And and that's that we're crying because of the separation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Yep. But the the kids understand more. Their understanding of the gospel. 
just trumped my grief and separation. Yeah. Why, why are you crying like that? Because don't you know, she's with Jesus? Mm. Are you telling me they discern the body of Christ? They did. And that's why we <laughs> give them bread and wine. Yeah. Oh, I see. Full circle. Pastor Venema, Mid-America Reform Center, <laughs> Thorough Vision. Ah! Uh, well, anyway, 5 out of 5, A+, plus, 10 out of 10. Give your kids the gospel. Give them the hope of life. Uh, don't fear death. Expect it. Yeah. And don't be afraid to incorporate it in your life. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it's something we're all going to have to go through. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> right. And, yeah. Don't keep your kids away from it. Yeah, you prepare your kids for all these situations in life, marriage, um, dealing with other people. Dealing with a pagan kid down the street. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Teach them how to deal with death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to say before uh, we bring this to an end? No, just, uh, yeah, again, what a blessing it is yeah. to walk through death with Christian parents, Christian family, to see how they're interacting. Um, I mean, there's, yeah. Hmm. It's a blessing. Yeah, It is a blessing. Praise the Lord. Yep. Well, if this podcast episode, Open Wine, number, anybody know what number we're on? Six, seven, eight. 17, I don't know. Uh, Has sparked any interest or questions that you might have, feel free to send them in about death, dying, life, resurrection. We'd love to discuss those kinds of things. And thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Thank you for listening to the Stories for Glory podcast, where the glory of God is revealed in the stories of man. If you're interested in what we are doing, subscribe and share. If you'd like to contribute with your questions or recommendations, you can email us at storiesforglory at protonmail.com.